word of prayer now. That would be great. Heavenly Father, you are worthy of praise. So many reasons that we could come up with to give you praise. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to fill us. We thank you for the the new life that you have for us and eternity to come. God, I pray that our hearts would overflow with thankfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every year since I've been here at Cornerstone, since 2007, when I was age four, uh, no, I'm kidding, that's not true, Uh, but I've been here since 2007, and every year since then we have done a sermon series in the book of Psalms right around Thanksgiving. And the reason we do this is because I believe that giving thanks to God is such an important part of our walk with God. I think it can all too easily be an overlooked part of our walk with God, and that's why we do this every year, kind of as as a check for us. And like it says in our benediction verses, these are the verses that we end with every Sunday, it says at the end that we are to be overflowing with thankfulness. Remember how Jesus talked about out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks? Well, what is it that is stored up inside your hearts? We don't always know what it is that's stored up inside of our hearts unless we take a look. And I was thinking about an illustration for that. You know we have dashboard indicators on our vehicles. Think about all the fluid levels you have in your vehicle. And if you're like me, you don't really spend any time thinking about them until the light turns on. But every once in a while, one of those lights turns on, and it's an indicator for you that you should take a look at the level that's that's in your vehicle. Maybe it's your brake fluid. Maybe it's your transmission fluid, whatever it might be, but your, your car is letting you know that something is wrong or is about to be wrong and you need to look into it. Well, that's what I want this sermon series. It's about a three-week sermon series we're going to do this year, but that's what I want it to be for us. I want it to be like a, a dashboard indicator for us. I want every single one of us to, to look at our hearts and, and to ask that question, are we overflowing with thankfulness to God? If, if not, it's not because God has stopped being praiseworthy. It's because there's something that, that needs to be checked in our hearts. And, and I need this. Maybe one of the reasons that I've done this every year since 2007 is because I know I need it. And you guys can just come along for the ride with me if you'd like. So we're asking the question about thankfulness. Are our hearts constantly overflowing with thankfulness to God? Now, if you remember, a few weeks ago, I asked you if any of you had any good pictures of a sunrise or could take a picture of a sunrise. I wanted to use it for this, this psalm series that we're doing. And I want to show you the winner right now, if we could get a little drum roll. The winner of the series was this picture taken by Brian Carlson. Okay, so, Brian, you can have a Hershey's kiss. After. Do, you, do you want it right now, Brian? Here you, here you go. Nice, nice catch. Okay. Now... Uh, there were lots of other good pictures that were taken. I enjoyed all those other ones that you sent in to me. I might use some of them for other sermon series later on. And uh, one of the reasons that Brian won is because Brian knew that I was going to be wanting space on top of the picture to put words. So that's, that's one of the reasons. But I really do like the picture. Now, the reason that I wanted to get a sunrise picture is because I want to use this idea of a sunrise as a metaphor for, for our lives. Now, any of you ever feel like your life has been a little darker than you wanted it to be. Um, and I like this picture that Brian took because it captures that, that darkness. You can even just think, you know, what, was that, what would have that picture been like 20 minutes before he took it? I bet it would have been a lot darker than that. And sometimes we go through a difficult season in life. In fact, the, here, I'll put the title of the sermon series up now, Praising God in Every Season of Life. And I realize I'm mixing my metaphors here between seasons and sunrises. I know the difference, but just work with me on this, okay? So, you ever feel like this, 
this dark season of life is lasting longer than you wanted it to. Uh, my son Timothy just recently asked me, how many years is it until summer? Anybody ever felt like that spiritually? <laughs> like summer hasn't come around for years and years? But the reason I wanted to pick this image of a sunrise is because think of the faithfulness of God. Every single day since creation, the sun has come up, light has come into this world. God is a faithful God. And now if we go back from the sunrise to the seasons analogy, so if we, we have a difficult season in life and it feels more dark than you wanted it to, please know that God is faithful. It will not always be darkness. It will not always be difficult times. God may have his reason for allowing you to endure a difficult season of life, but God also has plans to restore. And, and for some people, maybe that means it waits until heaven. And for all of us, final restoration waits until heaven. But for most of us, we kind of go through these cycles of life where sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really difficult. And one of the things that I want to do in this sermon series every year is to remind you that God is worthy of praise in every season of life. And that's one of the things that the Psalms have done for me in my life is to remind me that God is worthy of praise regardless of what I am going through. In whatever I'm going through, God is worthy of praise. So I want us to think about how we're doing at that. Are we praising God in every season of life? In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we are reminded, give thanks in all circumstances. It is what we are to do because it is good for our souls to praise God. God loves us and has good plans for us. We were created to give him praise. Our lives are going to go best when we recognize how good he is, how worthy of praise he is. And praising God then for us on our part has a way of reminding us of how good God is. If we can just lift our eyes up from the darkness of what we're going through, we might see the sunrise. We might see that God is worthy of praise. So how is your thankfulness level lately? This sermon series, again, is designed to help you pause and remember how good God is and worthy of praise. Today's sermon is from Psalm 96. It's a psalm that commands us to give praise to God. This psalm, this psalm is almost word for word the same as what we see in 1 Chronicles 16, which is an interesting time in Israel's life. It's when the Ark of the Covenant returned to Jerusalem. And, and King David stopped at that point and said, wow, well, God deserves praise. So, so perhaps David wrote this psalm for that occasion to remind himself of how good and worthy of praise God is. David was thankful for what God had done, so he praised God. It's a wonderful pattern of life that we should repeat over and over and over in our lives. So there are four points to my sermon today. The first one is about the commands to praise the Lord in Psalm 96, and that's probably going to be my longest point. And then after that, we're going to look at three reasons why we should praise the Lord. So, my first point today, we should give praise to the Lord. Here I want to read Psalm 96, verses 1 through 3, and then I'm going to skip down and read 7 through 9. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. And then skipping down to verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. So these verses are filled with commands to praise the Lord. We are to, look, just look at all the words. Sing, praise, proclaim, declare, ascribe, worship, bring an offering, come, and even tremble before the Lord. 
We're told in verse 1 to sing to the Lord a new song. I kind of like this idea. God likes it when we come up with worship songs to sing to him. And one of the ways I like to think of this is that God is obviously a creative God. He created the universe. And, and think about all the different kinds of things that God created. And then he created us. And we were created in his image. And part of what it means for us to be created in his image is that we are creative people. And, and one of the things that God likes us to do with our creativity is to come up with ways to praise him. So we're actually to sing new songs to the Lord. That's why occasionally here at Cornerstone we add new songs in to our worship repertoire. Um, but you can even do this at home. You can just, you know, maybe it's in the privacy of your own apartment or your home. You, you sing a new song to God. Just even burst out with it. God likes to hear us come up with new ways to praise him. And this idea of, of praising the Lord in, with new songs, it shows up in at least three other psalms. So there, there's something to it. Then in verse 2, we see that we are to proclaim his salvation day after day. If you're ever stuck and wondering, what in the world do I have to praise God for? I just want to encourage you to think about the cross. And so often in life, we come to this point where we're like, well, I don't feel like I have anything to praise God for. Well, yes, you do. The cross of Jesus Christ. Because in his mercy, in his love for us, God sent Jesus Christ and Jesus in his love for us offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that any one of us who, who receives Jesus as Savior and Lord can be completely forgiven of all of our sins. Think of all the sins we've committed and God forgives every single one of them in Christ. And not only that, but he, he brings us into new life and promises eternal life for us with him. So if you're ever stuck wondering what to thank God for, you can proclaim his salvation. You can praise God for what he has done. And then in verse 3 it says that we are to declare his glory and his marvelous deeds among all people. One of the best ways to praise God is to tell other people what God has done for you. So singing is a good way, and we've already talked about that a little bit. But please know that our praise to God isn't just the songs we sing, which that again is one of the points that I like to make every time we do this psalm series, is that yes, we can worship God with music, but we can also worship God with our lives. And one of the ways that we can worship God with our lives is to tell other people what God has done for us. Now, some of you maybe just did this at Thanksgiving. I hope that maybe there was a time where you were with family or friends and you said, what are you thankful for? And everybody said something. Um, but I want to give you a homework assignment. I want you to, to do that again sometime this week, maybe even today. I want you to just stop and tell somebody what God has done for you. And, and you can do that with your Christian friends or family. That's okay. That's a good way to praise. But this can also be evangelistic. This can be in, in a conversation that you're having with somebody who maybe doesn't know Jesus yet. Feel free to, to tell them, here's something that God has done in my life. And just let it be one of these things where you're declaring God's glory among the nations. You're letting other people know what he has done. And maybe as they see you praising God, they'll recognize that that's what they were created for as well. Okay, let's jump to verses 7 through 8 now. These are the ones that have this repeated command to ascribe to the Lord. Now the word translated ascribe is, is a word that can mean a lot of things. I think just simply one way to say it would be to, it's to set forth or to give something. God deserves praise, so we are to give it to him. We are to set it forth before him. We are to give God the glory due his name. Now, glory. How do we give God glory? Ever thought about that one? God is glorious. Now, even that one right there, I'm not... I've been studying this for years. I'm still not sure that I understand how to define the word glory. Here's my best attempt. 
If you were to see God right now, you would be overwhelmed by glory. So we just sang that song, overwhelmed. The idea is if we were to get a picture of God, we would be overwhelmed by his perfection. His, his beauty, his majesty would just emanate from him in rays of light that would blind us and kill us if we were to see him right now. Um, but God is, is glorious. He, he, everything he does is right. Now think about this. He is glorious like that, and we are to give Him glory. How do we do that? How do we give God glory when glory is so magnificent like that? Well, this, this is amazing, that we were created to be like Jesus, that God wants to bring us through this process in which He transforms our hearts and our minds so that we become more and more like Jesus. And as we act like Jesus, as we live out our lives here like Jesus would do if He were walking in our shoes, we give God glory. We reflect back to Him His character. So we are to give God that kind of glory. Think about it for a while. It'll blow your mind and uh, it'll be a good process to, to enter into God's presence, to think about who he is and to allow him to change your heart to make you more like Jesus and then you give him glory. But then also in verse 8 we're told to bring an offering and come into his courts. I love this idea. It's an invitation. God wants us to be with him. And as we come, we have something to give to him. We are to bring an offering. Now, in the Old Testament, there were all these animal sacrifices that they had to bring before the Lord. But we don't anymore because Jesus was our once-for-all sacrifice. There is no other animal sacrifice that needs to be given to make us right with God. God already did that. But we can bring an offering to God. We can praise God. And it says it this way in, in Hebrews 13:15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. So that, that idea in Psalm 96 of bringing an offering before God, the New Testament way to do that would be to praise God. We can honor God with praises. We do that by singing songs to him. We do that by telling others how good he is. We declare his praises. And then verse 9 in our psalm tells us another thing that we are to do. We are to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, or the splendor of His holiness, depending on how you translate that. And what I think this means is that the way to honor God, uh, the way to honor a holy God is with a holy life. Some translations translate this as in holy attire, that we are to worship the Lord in holy attire, but I don't think it's talking about our physical clothing. I think what it's talking about here is that, that God is holy and we are to honor him with a holy life, but on our own, we are not holy. On our own, we had all shown that we were rebellious against God, that we were sinners who had picked our own path. But the, the amazing thing that God did for us when he sent Jesus is that he gave us this invitation to come to him. And when we come to Jesus, we're forgiven of our sins and we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So we have that holy attire now. We have been clothed with the perfection of Jesus Christ. So when we come before the Lord, we can, we can worship him with holiness. We're not holy on our own, but because Jesus has died for us and cleansed us, we can be holy and we can offer ourselves in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can, we can live holy lives that please God. Now, I was thinking about an illustration for this. If you were invited to a royal ball... Um, you maybe wouldn't just go to your closet and, and say, what should I wear? Well, I, I haven't worn this t-shirt in a while. Oh, no, probably not, right? If you were invited to a royal ball, you might go out and, and buy something new to wear because you would want to match the dress attire that's there. Now think about that with God. He invites us into his courts. 
we get to spend our lives with him here and in eternity. And, and as we think about what we should wear, what we should be wearing is holiness. Or there was another verse that I was thinking about. In Colossians 3.12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we worship God as we clothe ourselves with these things. God is at work to transform us into compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient people. And as we live those things out, we, we praise Him, we honor Him, we glorify Him. The Lord is worthy of praise, and we should give it to Him. So, so that's the first point of my sermon, that we should give praise to the Lord. And like I said, the next three points of my sermon give us three reasons why we should praise So the first of those is that the Lord is worthy of praise. I want to read here now verses 4 through 6. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. I love just what it said there in verse 4a. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. I just feel like I don't have anything to add to that. Like, let's just, can we just say amen? Great is the Lord and worthy of praise. And everybody said amen. Um, something for us to just think about and a reason for us to give him praise. And, and then I love how it said in verse 5, all the gods and the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. One of the best things about the Lord is that he actually exists. Did anybody here have an imaginary friend growing up? Raise your hand if you had an imaginary friend. Okay, all right, good. I want to hear all these stories about all your imaginary... Are any of them with you today? <laughs> um, usually what happens when you have an imaginary friend is that you grow out of that because I think the reason for this is that a real friend is better than an imaginary friend. Now, we might say, oh yeah, well, my imaginary friend never sinned against me. Okay, I get that. Um, but God never sins against us either, so that's, that's a good thing. But the, thing, the reason that we get rid of our imaginary friends is because a real friend is better, somebody that we can have with us. And I kind of think that's the point of verse 5 here. All the gods of the nations are idols. An idol didn't create this world. God created this world. All we have to do is look around us and know, yeah, somebody had to make all of this. In fact, I wrote a book last summer, and that, that was my first chapter. It's Creation Reveals Its Creator. All we have to do is look around, and we know, every one of us, without excuse, we know that God created all of this. This world didn't come about through lifeless idols. It came about through the all-wise, all-powerful, all-loving God, who is so creative that he came up with things like a sunrise, or a mountain, or a newborn baby, or sending his son to die for our sins. So don't settle for idols. And maybe we don't think of idols as a problem today. I have never, in, at least in America, at least to my remembrance, seen somebody bow before a statue and think that that's their God. But that's not really how idolatry works today. In Colossians 3.5, we're reminded that greed is idolatry. And, and I think what that gets at is that idolatry means putting anything in the place that belongs to God. God is the one who is enthroned as king. God is the one that we should live for. And if we start to live for anyone or anything else, that could be money, it could be pleasure, it could be just living for yourself, whatever it is that you replace God with would be idolatry. Well, let's remember what it says in Psalm 96.5, all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. 
God made us and has good plans for us. Let's worship Him. Let's give Him praise and glory. He's the only one worthy of giving our lives to. Because as it says in verse 6, splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Again, if we were able to see God, we would see perfection. We would see Him as strong and mighty. And the more we get to know God, the more we would see how beautiful He is. Next Sunday, Pastor Josh is preaching on Psalm 34, and I love there's a line in there that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Think about that. Another invitation for us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You will know Him to be good as you seek Him, as you walk with Him, as you worship Him. So the application here is spend time contemplating who God is. Spend time meeting with God, thinking about God, praising God. And as you meet with God, a wonderful side benefit happens. Well, the, the main thing that happens is that we glorify God. And then this, this side benefit happens that God transforms us to make us more like Him. As we think about who He is, He transforms our hearts and our minds to make us more like Him. And it becomes this never-ending cycle in which we learn more about God, we see more of who He is, we glorify Him, we praise Him, And the more we praise Him and see His goodness, the more He transforms us into His character. And it just keeps going on and on and on, really for the rest of eternity. Let's praise God because He's worthy. And point number three, this would be my second reason why we should give praise to the Lord, is the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. There's this short line in verse 10 that says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Please know that the Lord is King of all. One of the names for Jesus in the Bible is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There is no one stronger than God. There is no circumstance that could possibly be out of the control of God. Please know that. If you're going through something difficult in life, God is in control. He is the Lord. He is sovereign. If you were to write out the word sovereign, you would see that the last five letters of it are R-E-I-G-N. Reign. The Lord reigns. The very name Lord itself should remind us of these facts. Lord is a name for God. Also, Lord, when we get to the New Testament, what does it mean? Master. Very good. Lord means master. So when we contemplate who the Lord is, one of the things that we see about him is that he reigns as king. He is supreme. There is no one who could subvert his rule. There is nobody who could thwart his plans. There is no one to compete with him. Now, for God to be the Lord means that not only is he control of, in control of the universe, but also he is the one who should be in control of our lives. And this is where I just like to remind people to, to give your life fully to the Lord. Because let, let me just remind you of the gospel really quick. Every single one of us had sinned against God. We were rebels. We had all picked our own path, a path that would have led us away from God, a path that would have led us to death, which would have been eternal death and separation from God. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus for us so that we could repent of that way of life. We could turn from our sin. We could say, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. Please forgive me and cleanse me. And when we do that, we're recognizing that we're turning from a life that we used to direct into a life that God wants to direct for us because in that old life, we pretended that we were the king or queen of our own lives, every one of us. But now, when we come to Jesus, we recognize that the Lord reigns and we give our lives to Jesus. We recognize that He is the one who is rightly in control and we joyfully proclaim the Lord reigns. We give our hearts to Him, we submit to Him, 
and we become servants to him in our own lives. We are no longer in control. The Lord reigns. Well, actually, let me say it this way. We were never in control in the first place. We were, we were just pretending. We thought we could make our own life. And was that life any better? No. That life led to sin and death. But now, in Christ, we can joyfully proclaim the Lord reigns. And just from personal testimony, God is much better at running my life than I am. And I'm pretty sure it's the same for you. I'm positive it's the same for you. So let's say among the nations that the Lord reigns. I am so thankful that Jesus is Lord. Okay, let's move on to our fourth point now. The Lord will judge the earth. The Lord will judge the earth. Here I want to read verses 10 through 13. This, uh, we didn't have room to fit this in your bulletins if you're wondering why. We like these verses too. They just didn't fit in there. Okay, verses 10 through 13. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. Now at first glance, this might seem like a strange reason to praise the Lord because he's going to judge. But it's mentioned three times in these verses, in in verse 10 and verse 13. So how is God's judgment something for which he should be praised? I think there's two answers to that question. The first answer is that for those of us who know Jesus, the judgment of God means that we get to spend eternity with God. There was something about us that needed to be judged, but God judged that in Jesus Christ. Jesus took our place and died for our sins. That was the, the only part of us that needed to be judged was our sin, and Jesus paid that penalty. So we're left in this place now where there's nothing left to judge. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So God's judgment is a praiseworthy thing because we know that we get to be with him. And then there's a second reason why I think God is worthy to be praised for his judgment. And it has to do with the fact that he has told us ahead of time. If you were to read through the Gospels and take note of it, you would see a bunch of times that Jesus talks about hell. Why do you think that Jesus talked about hell so much? I think it's because he didn't want people to go there. We see in the Bible these descriptions of God, uh, him not wanting anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth and to have salvation. So I I see in his mercy God told us the two destinations that are possibilities for us. If we go our own way and we die in sin, it's terrible news, it's judgment. But if we receive Christ, it's good news because our sins have already been judged by Christ. Christ is already raised from the dead and reigns victorious as King of kings and Lord of lords, so we can be with him forever. Some people think that hell is going to be a non-stop party with all of their friends, without God there imposing his no-fun rules. That is not the case. Hell is eternal conscious punishment. It is the place designed for Satan and for the enemies of God. But praise the Lord, we don't have to be enemies of God anymore. We were enemies of God, but we don't have to be anymore. We can be his children because he loves us and sent Jesus to die for us. So which one's it going to be for you? Have you received Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Please know that God will not stand for any who would rebel against his rule, and there is a day in which he will judge, and I do not want you to be on the wrong side of that judgment. So if there's anyone here who has not yet received Jesus as Savior and Lord, I just want to urge you to do it right now. 
And you can do that by talking to Him, by confessing your sin, and asking Him to come in and be your Savior and your Lord. Submit your life to Him. And as we submit our lives, we recognize that, yes, it may cost us something. It may, there may be some things from our old way of life that, that God doesn't want us to do anymore. But I want you to count the cost and recognize that that path leads to death anyways. And I want you to give your life to Jesus. And I want us, for those of us who have already given our lives to Jesus, let's remember as we're tempted to live according to that old way of life, that's what we were redeemed from. There was no life there. It was a lie. It was a mirage. Real life is in Christ. And we walk with Him. So again, this is all reason for us to praise God. And I, on this note of judgment, I just want to point out a couple of other words in this psalm. We saw words like fear and tremble and judge. We're to fear God, like it says in verse 4. To fear Him, I, I think maybe one of the, the best ways to understand what it means to fear God is to understand that we would never want to stand against Him. If the battle lines are drawn and God's on this side and His enemies are on the other side, don't go with His enemies. That would be a horrible place to be. So a healthy fear of God is, is to recognize, I want to be with him because I don't want to be punished by him. And then, that's where we can look at other verses in the Bible where it talks about there, there's no fear in love. God, when we're, once we're on his side, we don't need to fear his judgment. But we should fear him enough to know that we don't want to be against him. In Hebrews 10, 26-27, it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So, again, if God has drawn the battle lines, he's on this side, his enemies are on this side, if you're on the enemy's side, repent right away. And God loves it when we repent. God loves it when we repent. Just, just go to him and, and put yourself on his side. That he, he will invite you, welcome you to his side. But then think about it this way. For those of us who are on God's side, we've received Jesus as our Savior and Lord, why would we ever say, hey, hey God, just give me a minute here. I'm going to go over and act like your enemies act for a little while. Don't do it. Let, let's have that healthy fear of the Lord to keep us from sinning. Okay. Even in this, as we talk about fear and judgment, it's reason to praise God. And I'll go back to what I said before. God has told us ahead of time. God has told us ahead of time about judgment. He wants us to be with Him. He wants to save us and make us holy. He wants us to live with Him forever. Let's walk with Him. <laughs> okay, so God brings us into this new relationship with Him. Since we have been brought into this new relationship with Him, what should we do? We should praise Him. And I want to close my sermon with my big idea. The Lord is worthy of praise and everyone should know it. This psalm is a, is a call for all the nations to praise the Lord. And one of the ways that it happens is that God tells His people to praise Him and as His people praise Him, the nations see us praising Him and they might recognize that it's good for them to praise Him as well. And again, our, our praise has a lot of positive results. One is that God is glorified, that, that we, we give Him the honor and praise and glory that He is due. We join with the, the heavenly assembly right now. We think about the angels that are praising God. We think about souls of faithful people who have departed this earth and they're praising God. We can join with them and praise God right now. 
And another reason that it's good to praise the Lord is that, like I just mentioned, when we praise the Lord, people see it, and they recognize that they should praise the Lord as well. One day, as it, as it implies in verses 11 through 13, all of creation is going to praise God. Think about it. Even the heavens and the sea and the fields and the trees are going to praise God. It reminds me of this scene in the Gospels. Remember this time where, where people were praising Jesus and the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they rebuked him. They said, Jesus, tell those people to stop praising you. And do you remember what Jesus said? In Luke 19.40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Wouldn't that have been amazing to see? Like if for some reason the people just had so little faith that they stopped praising God because they were afraid, and then the stones cried out in praise of God? There's a children's song that says, Ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. Ain't no tree gonna lift its branches. Ain't no bird gonna sing in my place. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. We are to be people who praise the Lord. And I just want to ask a question as we end the sermon here. How is your praise meter doing these days? As you look at your life, and again, I love doing this every year because it's good for my heart. And I just want to ask you this question, and I'm going to be thinking about it for me as well. How thankful have you been this year? How ready have you been to praise God in every circumstance? That means the good seasons of life and the difficult seasons in life. And it's kind of ironic that sometimes when things are going well for us, we forget to praise God because maybe we think that we deserved it. Yeah, I I did pretty well this year. Good job, me. Pat yourself on the back. No, every good and perfect gift comes from above. If you're in a good season of life, remember to praise God. And then if you're in a difficult season in life, the tendency might be to say, well, what, what's God doing for me? Well, guess what? God is doing so much for you if you would just stop and think about it, if you would just stop and praise Him. So I want to encourage you, if you're going through a difficult season in life, praise God. It actually might be what helps you snap out of it a little bit. And then if your life is just kind of mediocre, kind of like, yeah, yeah, things are okay, stop and praise God. Think about all the things that he is doing for you, all the reasons that he is worthy of praise. But again, I, I just want to ask you, how is your praise meter doing? Are, are your levels kind of low? Do you need to add some fluid to that part of your life? To that part of your engine? The Lord is worthy of praise, and everyone should know it. Let us be people who praise him, because he is great, and he is worthy of praise. I'm going to invite our worship team up now, And uh, I want them to come up here because right when we finish praying, we're going to start in with a song that says Alleluia. That's the first word of our next song. Alleluia means praise the Lord. We've got three songs that we're going to sing after this. You're you're in for a treat here because they're great songs. But guess what? These songs aren't for you. These songs are for God. And I want us to worship God and to sing praises to Him. Would you please stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, you are great. You are worthy of praise. We praise you, Lord, because you reign. We praise you, God, for so many reasons. We praise you as the one who will judge the earth. Thank you that you have told us that ahead of time. Thank you that you sent Jesus for us, that we don't have to be punished for our sins eternally, but that we can be forgiven and cleansed and made holy. Thank you, God, for the new life that you have for us now where we can walk around with you, with Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for eternity to come. So God, we thank you (coughs) in the good times 
and in the difficult times and everywhere in between. God, would you remind us to be people who continually praise you for you are worthy.